Good morning, church. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 119, verses 1 through 16. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all of your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Once again, good morning and thank you for being here this morning. I, uh, I don't see them. I was, I, I heard the, oh, the new houses there are right there. It's good to have them from Cincinnati visiting with us this morning, Kim and Jean. Uh, they've been involved with our camp uh, a long, long time ago when their son was probably eight years old. Uh, the whole neighborhood came to our week of camp and they've been with us ever since. So Gene uh, and Kim, uh, Kim, Kim calls me Mr. Weir. In a very strange voice, she calls me Mr. Weir. Uh, but it's, I love it, and uh, we're so happy you're here with us this morning. I did not, did not know you were in the air. Are you camping this weekend? No? No? Well, good. It's good to have you. What's that? Oh, for a wedding. Good, good. Uh, I, mentioned, I, may have, I mentioned in class uh, yesterday was uh, Marissa Zelnick got married. Somebody said to me, Marissa Zelnick, isn't she like in high school? <laughs> uh, Marissa has graduated from college and she married Ian Lawler last night uh, here in Westerville and it was great to, uh, to see that and be a part of that as well. Uh, we at our house are uh, troubled. We have uh, scratches and cuts and bites all over us. Not from mosquitoes, but from a 12 year old or 12 week old puppy. And I wanted, want, brought this, I found this in the driveway this morning. You can't see it from where you're at, but it's the end of an electric plug. She is an electrician. This is the, the third one we found at our house. This one was to the sweeper, uh, which cost us $60 to replace. So um, we are taking donations for Poppy's, uh, Poppy's cleanup fund and for Band-Aids. Uh, we are enjoying her, and uh, but boy, she's, the breeder was right. She was very lively and very, what was it, Diane? Entertaining, entertaining. Even more entertaining is hear Diane scream through the house. I've never heard her scream like that. And uh, that's even more entertaining from time to time. Uh, this morning, we are uh, continuing our series. Uh, I know last week you thought Terry Barnhouse was speaking. Today, everybody thought Tom was speaking. Uh, so I'm not sure what that means for me, uh, but I am speaking this morning, and I will tell you, as I've told a couple of people this morning, I, I ended up going in a different direction uh, with this lesson than I intended to at the beginning, 
And uh, this morning I was thinking, I wish I'd have stayed with my original direction, uh, but that's all right. As uh, John David said, that's a lesson for another day. Um, but today we're going to talk about the sword, the sword of the spirit. And from Ephesians chapter 6, we've been studying this, the, the armor of God for the last several weeks. And, uh, and today we're looking at the sword, which is on the other side, uh, side of him over there. I can't believe he's still standing there after these weeks. But uh, when we're going to talk about the sword this morning, we talk, uh, I want to read this thing that I found about the sword. It says, the sword mentioned here uh, is the, the Macarian, and it, which is a sword, short sword carried by the Roman foot soldier. It's not a large broad sword carried by the heavy cavalry. This typical sword was 6 to 18 inches. And I think this is, is a, a matter that we're, which we're going to talk about later, uh, which reminds us how personal that this, this weapon is for us. Uh, it was 6 to 18 inches. It wasn't the massive swords that you see from time to time. But it was the principal weapon in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And the user, the user had to develop skill with it or he would not survive. That sword, being a personal size, uh, you had to learn to be skilled with it or you would not survive. And re let's remember that we're talking about the word of God here as this comparison as it continues. Um, it is a weapon that requires precision in both its defensive and offensive uses, and it's used defensively, parrying every jab and thrust of the enemy, while at the same time offensively used to make thrusts and jabs against the enemy. The analogy here is that the parallel between the, the short sword and the Bible as a spiritual weapon is striking for the Bible because it has to be used with precision. We all have heard in our life and have, uh, have realized it as we've grown older that the Bible is sometimes used mistakenly or inadvertently or even used uh, to defend certain points in, in and ideas of people without looking at the whole of the context or the whole of the Bible. And so we have to use it with precision when we use it. Those without skill and those who are not careful with it can easily find themselves outmaneuvered by the enemy and struck by his sword. Every lie, slander, and deceitful effort of our enemy can be countered with the word of God. And I think that's a blessing that we need to realize, that every weapon of the devil, every weapon of sin, we can fight with the word of God, but we have to know it and have it in our heart. Um, if we know how and are willing to follow it, but if not, then we will soon be victims of his scheming falsehoods. Second Timothy chapter two, verse 15 says, be diligent to present yourself approved as God's workmanship who, who does not need to be ashamed of handling accurately the word of truth. Be diligent to present yourself approved. We don't get grades. Uh, we don't get scores on our Bible knowledge or our Bible use. But had we had that be part of what our life is, we would probably do a little better. We would probably be in our Bibles a little more. We would probably handle it even more. And Taylor Hoskins, <laughs> I did not see you there. Hey, Taylor. Oh, here we divert again. I talk about other people having ADD, and I seem to be flying in that direction. Taylor, 
most of you have heard me mention Joe Hoskins many times in my conversations in class. Several of you are shaking your head. Taylor is his son and uh, visiting from Arizona. So good to have you. I knew you were coming, but I did not, did not see you there. Um, but uh, that we have to be diligent to show our self-approved. Um, it is not from just any scripture that men can come to faith. And I found that statement to be very interesting. Any, you can't open the Bible and be amazed and come to faith because of what you read. You read through uh, you know, different parts of the Bible, you'll say, what in the world is this? Uh, how does that affect me and what is, why is that even in the Bible? Um, but the pieces of faith that people come to saving faith, um, the parts of that scripture is believing that Jesus died for our sins and trusting his death on the cross to cleanse our sins. And that is the, the gospel, that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and we can have life through him. And in the spirit of, of, of the uh, armor of God, that conversation there is about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the spirit there is not used just, it's not just thrown in there, because the Bible was written uh, with, through the Holy Spirit and helped those men to write it, to bring it to us and to have it as we have it. And, and that is the relationship between the Word of God and, um, and the Spirit. I want us to take a look on the next slide, some different things that, uh, that are true about the Bible. And the next slide there, thank you. Um, these are some different things that Scripture claims about itself. I'm not going to read all of these Scriptures um, but I, I want to put them out before you, um, uh, that one is God is its author. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. God wrote it through men and literally carried along by his Holy Spirit. That's how the Bible was written. The second fact is that the Bible is inerrant and infallible. It is, it is true. Psalm 19, verse 7 and 8, says the law is perfect, restoring the soul. The, school, the, soul. Uh, the testimony, testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It is authoritative. From Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, so my word, so shall my word uh, be which goes forth from my mouth, it shall, return, shall not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire. What God says is true, and it, it is full of information for us to have. It is complete. It is effective. And it also is determinative. So those are things that Scripture says about itself. And again, I don't want to hit all of those uh, today, but those are things that Scripture says about itself to prove what it is to us as the word of God. There's different sources in the Bible, different things that we can get from the Bible in the next slide there. Uh, one, uh, and blessings we can get from scripture, one is that it's a source of truth. From John 17, 17, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Many voices cry out um, that they are source of truth, but only the word of God is what it claims. There's so many truths in our world today and everybody has their truth, and everybody has what they want to believe. Um, we believe that the Bible is God's word, and we believe that that is the source of truth for us. 
It's also a source of joy. When we read, uh, when we, one of the things about being a Christian is the, the fact that we can have joy. Um, we can smile. We can enjoy life. We can be a part of, of what God has given us to enjoy. Um, Proverbs 8.33, it says, Heed instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is a man who listens, listens, listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorpost, waiting for that joy and looking for uh, that happiness that only God can, can bring. Uh, the word of God brings blessedness, which is a joy that is independent of circumstances. Um, and we've had that conversation. What's the difference between joy and happiness? Joy is something that comes from inside. It comes from a heart that's been saved by God. It comes from a peace that God gives us because of following him and knowing and, w and waiting for his promises. That, that thought about waiting at the gates, waiting at the gates. Um, when we were young, we would go to Disney World and my dad, we would drive all night, we had a motor home and so as we would get up that morning to leave this campground that was just before Disney World, we'd, we'd get there and sometimes the gates were still closed and we'd have to wait in this line of people to get to get in there and the excitement and the joy that we knew we were going to have if we just got through that gate <laughs> but it was that anticipation of, of of being able to see it but joy comes from within us happiness is something that can happen uh, at a party or, or something that somebody can do for us to make us happy but joy comes from within and it comes from that relationship with christ uh, scripture is also a source of spiritual growth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. It says, like newborn babes uh, long for the pure milk of the word, um, that, by, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. It is the word, it's through the word of God and its application to your life that will help you be more, more spiritually mature and help you to be who God wants you to be. You can't, you can't just dive into the word. Um, as much as we say that, as much as you would like to, it's not something you can just open and be blessed by. Um, you have to read it. You have to understand it. And the Holy Spirit is, is what helps us understand it. It's a source of power. Uh, is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock. I think that's a powerful statement about power, that the word is like fire. If you see a fire go, it may be very calm, very quiet, but if the wind hits it or fuel hits it, it blazes up. And it can be very, very powerful and can destroy. We've seen what happened in Maui with the fire that destroyed, destroyed that land. And also that picture of a hammer that shatters a rock. The force of a hammer, the force of an ax on wood is, is powerful uh, in the right hands. <laughs> it can be dangerous in the wrong hands, but it can be very powerful used in the right way. And we need to use that power from the word in the right way. We should never use the word of God as a power to be argumentative or, or judgmental. Um, as we talked in class today and we've talked to, uh, around for some time, we cannot be judgmental of other people. We have our own, we have our own faults. We have our own uh, problems that go on. But we must use that power to let God share with him, share with people what, what it is he wants them to know. 
um, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. It's the word of God that changes people and not our clever speech or wisdom. Um, we've all been around salesmen. We've all been fooled by salesmen. We bought a, a, a home protection service one time from somebody that, as we were talking to them, the other guy was installing it before we even signed a paper. <laughs> and Diane's like, hey, 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 excuse me, excuse me. And we were like, and we ended up with this system. And, you know, it provides protection, but it was by the smooth-talking salesman and his accomplice that we ended up with a system that we still have. But after a couple of days, we're like, I don't think we really needed that. And yet, it was the smooth talker that, that got us through. So we, we need to realize that it's God that changes people. I can share the gospel. I can be a witness to the people around. But it's God that changes their heart. It's the story of God. It's the word of God that changes people's heart. Um, the Bible is also a source of, source of guidance from... Uh, Psalms chapter 119, verses 105. It says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We would be left to stumble in, in the dark without the word of God. We wouldn't be able to, to, uh, to move and to, to do what he wants us to do without his guidance. It's a source of comfort. Um, it's also a source of perfection that guides us. And it's also a source of protection. Psalm 119, verses 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure by keeping according to thy word? With all my heart I have sought thee. Uh, do not let me wander from thy commandments. Thy word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against thee. It warns us that and convicts us that I should avoid sin. Um, as, as Tommy was reading that a few minutes ago, um, that question is a, as a is good for us to remember. How can a young man keep his way pure? And it's by keeping God's word and seeking him so we don't wander through away from his commandments. Shifting gears just uh, for the last part of our conversation today, um, the, the sword can also be used as a defensive weapon and as an offensive weapon. We're going to take a look at how Jesus used it from Matthew chapter 4. We're going to take a look at um, what Jesus used, how Jesus used the word to defend his himself and to to uh, fight Satan. So uh, Matthew chapter four, uh, Satan had come to tempt the Lord Jesus, and if you'll turn to that and follow along, we'll uh, read through it. Verse one begins. Then Jesus was led up to the led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil first thing to note is that Jesus was led by the Spirit. And I think we miss, I've missed that. I've missed that in the past, that he was led by the Spirit. It wasn't uh, an activity. It wasn't just a, 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 a camp project or a, a, you know, a program to go to. It was, he was led by the Spirit of God. And he led him to, into the wilderness for the specific pur purpose of being tempted by the devil. Think about that. Jesus, God purposely led Jesus to the wilderness for the purpose of being tempted by the devil. And God is sovereign in this matter. 
There's, there's, this is not something that happened by chance, fate, or bad luck. This is not something the devil had arranged, uh, but God, through the Spirit, led Jesus to it. And when you think about the wilderness, when you think about the wilderness, um, I don't like to go to a wilderness to think and meditate. I like to go to a wooded area or by the, by the uh, Hoover or somewhere where it's quiet and peaceful. In the wilderness, there's nothing to look at. There's no animals. It's dry and barren, and you have to focus on whatever it is that you're, you're there to do. And Jesus was there to be, to fast and to meditate on his Father. And the second part of what we can learn from verse 1 here is that the devil is real. The devil is not someone, when I tried to find a picture of uh, this, or an image, there were no pictures then of Jesus in the desert with the devil. But uh, an image, there was these images of, you know, the horns and the tail and the pitchfork and leading Jesus around. Um, and we, we make these, these images of the devil, but the fact is he is real. He's a fallen angel that seeks to usurp God's authority. He wants to take us away from God and make honor for himself. And we see that uh, this is why we have to have our armor because Satan is real and attacks us. We forget that. We forget that, that the devil is attacking us. And that is why um, uh, I think I always think of the verse that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will make a way out for you. Um, thirdly, in the, from that verse, we, we note that Jesus, uh, his temptations here were very real. Um, Jesus was tempted at all points, as we are from Hebrews chapter 4, and that means he felt the full force of every temptation, because he and he never gave in. You and I have given in to temptation. We have fallen many times to those things. So that's uh, just verse, verse 1. Verse 2 says, After he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And Jesus had been, uh, Jesus had been 40 days in the wilderness, uh, and he was in solitude, he was thinking, he was praying, and he was, you know, there was relatively little thing, little to see there um, except for the wind. And Jesus was in there fasting for 40 days, and you can imagine how hungry he was. Verse 3, And the tempter came to him and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. If you are the Son of God. The devil challenges Jesus to prove his claim to be God's son by appealing to his, um, to, to satisfy his hunger and his cravings for the physical flesh and making those stones become bread. You have to understand that, that, that Satan was slandering God. The slander against God the Father is behind this challenge and the devil is calling Jesus to question why Jesus would be out in the wilderness hungry and uh, thirsty, and that he was in need to follow his father's provision and his needs for his needs. He needed to look to God for his needs and not to Satan. And that the devil is saying, God has not provided you, so you need to take charge and take this in your own hands. Ever felt that way? Ever felt that way that God was not paying attention to you or hearing your prayer and you had to take things into your own hands? I think we have had that, and we and provide for ourselves. 
And so this temptation for Jesus to satisfy the desires of his body rather, relying on, rather than lying on God is a powerful thing. And I think it happens, I know it happens with us today. And Jesus responds in verse 4 by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, but he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And he, Jesus said in John chapter 4, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And we need to have that same, same desire. Verse number 5. Then the devil took him into the holy city and, and said, and he had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you. And in Psalm 91, it says, and on their hands will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. The craftiness of Satan here is that he is quoting scripture himself. And I find that very interesting uh, that Satan knows it and that Satan uses it against us. And the slander is that God had not brought, um, brought the honor and glory to Jesus that he deserved as the son of God, but Jesus could satisfy those demands by calling God into action. And Jesus, of course, denied that. Verse seven, it says, on the other hand, it is written, you shall not, shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus subjects his pride to God and will wait for God to do things in his way and his timing. As I thought about that, I felt like that's another piece of the story that we struggle with. We, we don't care to wait for God's timing. We don't like to wait for his way. We like things to be done quickly and fast, and we, we lose that opportunity to see what God will do. Sometimes we settle for less than what we, than, than God wants to give us because of our, our uh, lack of waiting and patience. Um, so those are pieces of that story. In verse 8, it says, And again, the devil, the devil took him to the high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. The devil slanders God again by suggesting that the Father is not giving, given Jesus what should be his and rightfully his, and Satan will give him all of those things. We see that in sin today. We see that Satan has worked in the world in such a way that we, people are deceived and living for themselves and living against God's word. And by doing so, they're shaking their fist at God, maybe unwillingly and maybe unknowingly, but they are definitely not going in the direction that God wanted um, them to go. And if Jesus would pay homage to Satan, he could, he could avoid the pain and agony that he knew was coming with the cross, but he decided not to do that. Um, he was not going to gain the world through Satan, and he knew that it would not happen that way. Verse number 10, then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus subjected himself to the Father's will, even knowing, knowing that it would mean uh, crucifixion on the cross. Verse 11 reminds us of what happened. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came, and behold, to minister to him. Be gone, Satan. 
push him away. Do not let him have control of your life, of your mind, of your body, because when he gets that control, he will use you to go against God's word. But Jesus, when he said, be gone, Satan, verse 11 says the devil left him and the angels came to minister to him. The father did provide for him in his own timing and method. Um, so that's really the true use of the sword of the spirit of, of God by using it to defend yourself against Satan when Satan uses the Bible against you, when he uses those same words that, that you feel are comforting, but not in God's timing. Um, I, I found this quote on, a, on one of the commentaries. It says, a fancy sword will do, do you no good if you don't know how to use it. And in the same way, memorization of scripture will do you no good if you do not apply them to your own life. You need to both know and apply the Word of God. So a fancy sword, a fancy Bible sitting on your living room table will not make a difference if you don't read it and know what it's about. I was disappointed this morning to uh, look for what I thought was in a certain place and was not. Um, a Bible that when I was baptized my grandmother inscribed. And I, I have it somewhere but I was not where I thought it was this morning. And the scriptures, the two scriptures that are inscribed that she wrote in there with her hand uh, are these two. One is from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 to 9. It says, train, up a, train children to uh, live the right way, and when they are old, they will not stray from it. And then the second one was Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Grandma Daniels was a wise, wise woman. Not a lady of a lot of means, not of great statue. But when she talked to you, you knew that she walked with God. When you watched her work and do what she could do, you knew that she walked with God. These two verses, especially this, this one from Psalm 119, have been uh, inscribed upon my heart for a long, long time, probably since I was, I think, 11 years old. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But you know I do sin. I do make mistakes. But the word of God in my heart, as I use it as a sword, offensively and defensively against Satan, that helps me to know and to understand how much God loves me. The direction I, I intended to go at the beginning was from uh, this, the beginning that Tommy read today about having the word in us, knowing that it is powerful and that it is something that can carry us through this life and into the next. Um, because we need it. And I will, I will confess, and probably you could confess as well, that we are not as, as uh, gifted with our sword as we should be in reading scripture and keeping it in front of us and, and using it to guard our hearts and guard our minds. And the, the opportunities that we have to read and to put it into our hearts, we need to take those opportunities, whether it's time in the morning, whether it's listening to podcasts, whether it's you know, coming to classes, uh, worship times together, but these can't be the only opportunities that you are into the word, that we need to know it and sharpen it and be able to use it. Because as, the, as I told you in the beginning, 
the sword that this, this scripture talks about is fairly short. It's not the great big long ones that you could swing out from a distance. This is for when the battle gets personal. This is when the battle is right there, close and personal. And you have to be ready to use it and to use it wisely. Our prayer is, as we've been talking about this armor of God the last several weeks, is that we will wear it. And if you remember the verses, the verses say that it will help us to stand. And after you stand, you still stand. When you make a stand for God, you will stand not only here, but in eternity as a different person because you are in God's view, you're in God's favor, and he has watched out for you because you've protected yourself with him. And this sword, this sword that we all have, whether it's on your phone, in your hands, wherever it is, this sword will help us live through our lives. So we need to know it. We need to know how to use it. In scouts, uh, in order to use an axe, or we didn't have swords in scouts, good thing, <laughs> good thing, but we had knives and axes and saws, and you had to get a card, I, I, I don't know if you still have to do it or not, it's called a totem chip card. In order to use an axe or any of those things on a camp out, or anything in scouting, you have to have one of those cards to show that you were skilled and, and able to use it. My father, uh, my father was the hardest scoutmaster I had. Mr. Whitaker would look away and he would, or guide me in the right way. If you fail to use your axe or knife or saw in an inappropriate way, they would tear off a corner of your card. <laughs> and uh, my dad took three corners off of my card. And I'm like, Dad, look what he's doing. <laughs> that didn't matter. And what he was reminding me is that I needed to practice what I had learned. I need to use those skills and, and things that I was taught about how to use a knife, how to use an ax, how to use a saw, so I not only didn't hurt myself, but that I didn't hurt somebody else. And the Bible is very much the same way, and I'm not going to tear a corner off of your Bible or off your anything, but you and I need to read it and to know it and use it properly so that we, when we live and when we quote it, or when we let somebody read you know, something that's important to them, that they get it, and that you've put it out there, and that it is true, and that is right, and it's not being used in an argumentative way, but a way to share and to love. I hope that you've picked up something today that'll be helpful, helpful to you, um, but most of all, I want us to have our swords ready ready for battle, ready to protect our heart, hearts, ready to protect our loved ones, and to honor God by doing so. Some of our, some of our uh, swords are a little dull and rusty, and maybe we need to spend some more time in the gospel. Maybe we need to spend more time sharpening each other and helping each other to be who we need to be in Christ, and to use the word of God effectively. I've had lots of people in my life, and Taylor, your, da I, your dad and mom were great people, and you know that. Uh, they sharpened me and helped me so much growing up, as, as well as my parents. But you need those people to help to remind you to be God's person, 
and to, to have that word in your heart because you will be tested. You will be tried. And if you stick and obey God's word, you will, be, you will stand in the end. You will stand. And that's what God wants us to do, stand for him. As we stand and sing the song of encouragement, if there's a need that you have to uh, respond to the gospel, maybe to be baptized or to be encouraged by God's, God's people, or if there's something you need help with, um, if you need an electrician, um, please respond while we uh, stand and sing.